Guten Morgen, meine Freundin. It was 70 years ago that I preached my first sermon, and it was here. And it was an honor then, and it is an honor now. And today, I'm preaching on from ho-hum to hallelujah, because there are a lot of ho-hum churches today, and they need to be hallelujah. A little louder. All right, let's get alive here. You know the story found in Acts 1 and 2. You remember that Jesus went up. Holy Spirit came down. Christians went out. Lost came in. And the church moved on. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved in one service. And the church that won them was about the same size as our church right here. And I believe that what God did then, he can do today. His power is no less his purpose is no different. But we must do it his way, not our way. And in Acts, the second chapter, it is spelled out for us in detail what we must do if we're going to be a glorious, powerful, moving church. It begins... And notice what the Bible says. It begins, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That is, there was an accord. There was love. There was harmony. In our church, and in the churches around us, we see that we do not enjoy as much harmony as they enjoyed. I thank God here we have more than most. But I want you to know there's so much division in the modern church. There are 34 different Baptist denominations. Two seed and a spirit predestinarian Baptist. That's a strange name, isn't it? And the Seventh-day Baptist and United Baptist. Well, that's interesting when there's not much unity. And I, for one, believe that it was not God's will that his church be divided. He prayed that we would be one. And if we're going to reach a world for Jesus, we had better do what he prayed for. I can remember years ago, I received a call from Minnesota. The voice said, 
You don't know me. But I am the president of all the Lutheran pastors in the mega Lutheran division. I read about you in a book, and we want to ask you to come to Puerto Rico, bring your wife, preach to us, and we're going to give you, and by the way, they're better than we are, for they said, we're going to give you two one-and-a-half-hour sessions to preach. And I took every minute. (laughs) And I thought they would be sort of stiff, you know, Lutherans. I was wrong. They were like Pentecostals. I loved it. Hallelujah, amen, shouting, applause. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. It was wonderful. Even Baptists don't do that much. They will at a football game, but they don't get excited at church. There was one difference, however. Every day they had their happy hour. And they didn't think anything of it, and I didn't think much of it either. I've always feared alcohol like I would a rattlesnake. I had an uncle who committed suicide who was an alcoholic. I worked at Norton Psychiatric Infirmary in Louisville as a part of my training, and we had outstanding people there who were alcoholics. Editor of Courier-Journal, for example. And then in our church at Leesburg, we have taken care of over 7,000 alcoholics. And I want you to know, I feared it so much, I've never had a drop. I don't even use aftershave lotion because it has alcohol in it. Yet, even though that's my conviction and my opinion, I believe that the people that were at that conference are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Because they may be different in some ways, but if they have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're one of us. And if you agree with me, say amen. Amen. And if you don't, say oh me. We need in these last days, and we are in these last days, to join together with anyone who is saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and work together. When we were redoing the Obas Motel for a Samaritan Inn for people who have no place to stay, one day we had over 40 people working with us from 14 different denominations. That to me is Christianity. And this is going to shock some of you. Were some of you raised Catholic? Raise your hands. We had the Catholic Church in the villages 
send us $25,000 to help remodel that place. I have a lot of energy, but I can't hear too well. First of all, then, there was unity and accord. And then to go further down, all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Secondly, there must be an appropriation. The greatest need we have as Southern Baptists is that all of us be empowered by, filled with, the Holy Spirit of God. I can remember when I was called to Zephyr Hills as pastor. They were running about half what we are here. And I said to them, we're going to start having a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And they said, what do you mean start? We've been doing that for years. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. We're going to have a prayer meeting. No Bible study. No singing. Nothing but prayer. The first 10 months as a result of the prayers of God's people there was such a moving of God's Spirit that we had so many baptisms, we were 13th in the nation out of 40,000 churches in baptisms. Not because of the preacher, not because of the church, but because of the Holy Spirit moving in mighty power. I can remember when I was preaching at Tacoma, and they invited me to have a revival in a Korean church. How many of you have heard about the Korean praying people? Yes. Awesome. Some of the greatest, largest churches in the world are in South Korea because of prayer. If you're in South Korea, 5.30 in the morning, you see people streaming to the churches to pray. So the pastor said, would you like to go with me to prayer meeting anymore? I said, absolutely. I've heard about the prayers of God's people. When I went in, it was 5.30 now, and the place was filled. Unusual prayer in that the pastor would make requests, and then they would all pray out loud. I don't mean like this, but whispering. Sweetest sound I ever heard. And it was the only church growing in the community, and I knew why immediately. I went back to Leesburg, and I said, there's one thing we're not doing. We're not having prayer seven days a week. I had enough sense not to say it's going to be 5.30 in the morning. I did it by myself. But we made it at 7. It's okay. And as a result, we started baptizing over 300 per year for 10 years. 
And not only did God bless that way, but we bought 31 parcels of land with 28 houses because we were landlocked, built a family life center, a school, and a ministry village that's worth literally millions. And we did not borrow one dime because God provided everything we needed as a result of the prayers of God's people. Let me tell you, if we will begin praying, we will begin seeing things happen we've never seen before. How many of you love this church? Yes. How many of you would like to see it even more powerful than it has ever been in its history? The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They had 3,000 saved in the service. If we're all filled with the Holy Spirit, the same thing can happen to us. And then verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? That is, there was an amazement. The lost people of the community were amazed at the church. In our day, they're amused. But when God's Spirit begins moving, there is an amazement. And I can remember how God moved in some small ways that had large results. Years after I'd gotten there, there was a hard freeze coming. And at that time, a lot of churches and homes were not equipped to handle that kind of cold. So I said, you know, we've got a big gym here. Why don't we invite the people to come and stay and they can stay warm during this time? So I called Channel 9. The lady came home and interviewed me. And she said, is there anything people could do to help? I hadn't even thought about that, but I just said, well, I guess they could bring some sleeping bags and blankets and stuff like that. I could not believe what happened. The next day, Trucks and cars were lined up. And I don't mean bringing junk. I mean new stuff. They brought so many sleeping bags and stuff that one of the rooms off from the gym was stacked to the ceiling. And believe it or not, that little set, that was no big deal. But we became known as the church that cares through that very simple thing. Then... A few years later, do y'all remember when the three storms came? I do. I got a ranch. I couldn't even get through the pasture with a four-wheeler. There were so many trees down. I remember that. But the amazing thing there, the city called us. Now, there were probably 50 churches in the town. But they called us because we were known as the Church of Cares and said, 
Would you be willing to keep our families of our workers during the storm where they will be safe? And I said, absolutely. And then they brought a generator, the biggest one I've ever saw, and we had electricity on Sunday. But we didn't do it for that reason. We did it because that was the right thing to do. And then we had bought those 28 houses and we started putting people in the houses who had no homes. And God spoke to me one night and said, you're doing it all wrong. I said, Lord, what are you talking about? He says, you're putting people in houses you would not want to live in. And they were not nice houses. If termites had quit holding hands, they'd have collapsed. We were in recession at that time because of the freezes, and citrus was one of the main sources of income we had. I was gone. But I knew that if God led, he would take care of it. So I stood up before the church and I said, we're not going to vote on this because this is a command of God. He wants us to build a village that's first class to take care of hurting people. We're not going to have a campaign to raise money. If you feel led of the Holy Spirit, now again, I'm not against campaigns, but it, not, not, not that said. If you feel led of the Holy Spirit, in the next 30 days, I want you to make a pledge. In 30 days, $2 million was given. And we began building a village. And I mean, how many of you have seen the village? Any of you? You need to. Beautiful. First class. God not only led us to do it, but God provided the resources. In my 30 years there, we never borrowed a dime from anything that was built because God took care of it. And I want you to know that because of that, our, known, our church now is known as the church that cares across the Southern Baptist Convention because we believe that Christianity ought to be a serving, loving, ministering community to all kinds of people. Amen? And then notice the next thing I like. And then the Bible says, then Peter stood up. <laughs> I want you to think about that. Small group of people going to take the world for Jesus. Small group. And this is an attitude that you must have. How many of you believe God still does miracles? Now, y'all going to think I'm Pentecostal, and you're right. I'm a Baptocostal. But when we had the Lord's Supper, our deacons would stand across the front. 
And then I would say, if any of you needs a healing touch of Jesus and would like to be anointed with oil and prayed for, would you come forward? I thought when I started that we may have 10 people come. We had over 200 that would come. And that was every, every service. Because we believe that God who created the universe and holds it all together can heal the sick as well. And we believe that you must have the positive attitude. What's one of the favorite sayings of someone when you suggest something new? Can't do it. We tried it before. It didn't work. You ever heard that? When I got to Leesburg, they set a high attendance goal of 300. And they had 301 the day I preached the first sermon. Four months later, I said, why don't we set another goal? That's okay. I said, what do y'all think it ought to be? And someone says, how about 400? I said, can you reset? Yeah, that's not a problem. I said, that's not a goal in it. How about 500? Can you do that? Well, it takes some work, but we can do it. I said, that's not a good goal, is it? How about 600? I said, well, that'd take a miracle. I said, that's a good goal. <laughs> and for four months, from the 301, we had 601. You must believe that God can do great things. And when you pray, don't pray for the ordinary. Pray for the miraculous. How many of you believe that our church here, and I call it ours because I was saved here. I was called to preach here. I was ordained here. I met my wife here. We were married here. This is my church too. Always has been, always will be. How many believe that our church here in one year's time can be averaging a thousand people? Let me see your hands. Your arms hurting? How many believe that God is God of miracles? And he can do it if we do it his way. And we have more people surrounding us. I'm telling you, when I was here back in 1800s, <laughs> there weren't a tenth of people in this area we have now. And we need to believe and a God who can do miraculous things. There's a lot of good people in this church. I know. There are a lot of you who love the Lord. I know. There are a lot of you who would like to see this church so full we'd have to have three services on Sunday morning packed out. But we have to do it his way. Amen. Our way doesn't work.
You realize that the churches and the convention are dying now? You realize that 25% of our churches do not baptize one a year? No, one. And they average baptize two a year. There's a Greek word for that. Stupid. I tell you what, if we want to do it, here is a chapter that can tell. There's no chapter in God's Word that tells us clearly what we must do to have the kind of power that we see right here. And then verse 17 in the days, God says, and stop right there, it must be a church that stands squarely on God's Word. You hear the Word preached here from the Word of God. And we must do nothing less. We don't need topical sermons. We need expository sermons. We need to be fed on God's Holy Word. And then next it says... And I don't need to preach on that because you're already practicing that. And so we won't elaborate on that. And then it goes on, and I love this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Sons and daughters will prophesy, etc." And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then goes on to say, we are all witnesses. I want to elaborate on that a minute. We had the privilege of baptizing 7,000 people while I was pastor at Leesburg. You know why? We had a lot of Christians who won people to Jesus Christ. I don't want any hands on this. This is personal and private. But how many of you have ever won someone to Jesus? Ever. I am told that 97% of professed Christians have never won anybody. There was an old gospel hymn, Must I go in empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? How many of you know at least one lost person? Let's see your hands on this. You know at least one. How many of you would like to see them saved? Okay. I want you to listen carefully now. Don't raise your hands on this between you and God. How many of you would be willing in the next 30 days to seek out an opportunity to bear witness to that person? Now, you can't promise to win them because they can say no. No. But you can promise to try. 
You can promise to try. I was doing a revival in Stark. And it's always my custom to witness those in the hotels and motels. And I walked up to the lady in charge. Thank God no one else was there, so I had a chance to talk. And I said, where do you go to church? She says, I can't go much. I work. I said, I understand that. But I said, are you saved? She says, no, I'm not. And then God gave me this. This is not from Charles Rossell. It is not from man. It is straight from God. It's as clearly spoken to me by God as anything I've had in my whole life. Because I said then what God told me to say. I said, do you know what would happen if you became a Christian? She said, no, what? I said, in the first place, all of your sins would be forgiven. I mean, all of them. And secondly, almost better than that, they'll be forgotten. God won't even remember them anymore. In addition to that, Jesus Christ would come to live inside of you, enable you to love and live as you've never loved and lived before. In addition to that, you'll become a part of the greatest family on the face of this earth, the family of God. And last but not least, when you die, you go to heaven. I said, how'd you like that? She said, I like that. How'd you get it? And she prayed and received Christ. I was in Home Depot. I'm shy, but I talk to people every once in a while. And there's a man there, and I got talking to him. I said, where are you from? He said, Kentucky. I said, my wife and I love Kentucky people because when we got married, we had nothing, and they had, the coal miners had nothing, but they took furniture from their own homes and shared with us. I said, I always love Kentucky people. I said, are you a Christian? He said, I hope so. I said, I said what? He said, I hope so. I said, that won't cut it. I said, do you know so? He said, no, I don't. And standing right there, I went through those five points, standing right there in Home Depot, he prayed to receive Christ as his Savior. I was in a doctor's office. I've, been, I've had over 50 people receive Christ just sharing that simply. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would be willing to make a commitment to bear witness to that person that came to your mind when I asked if you knew somebody. You can't promise to win them, but you can promise to try. When our musician comes right now and begins leading the music, if you're willing to make a commitment to try, you can't promise to be successful, but you'll try. I want you to come forward and pray for that person. And here's what you pray. God, make them so miserable they can't stand themselves till they get right with you. And Lord, give me the words I need to say. And I want you to come. And then I'm going to pray for all of you who have come.
And I am praying that you will come because I believe you care. How many of you would like to win someone to Jesus? Wave at me. All right, I'm going to see you down here. Would you, as we're saying. Okay, as we begin singing, would you come right now? Just come. If you can kneel, do that. But some can't. That's all right. You can stand. Just come on as we stand, as we sing.